Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Tossing and turning all night like a salad. It's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. I'm Jill, and I'm a sober scientist who talks about the science and psychology of addiction. There are a lot of things that influence developing an addiction, and none of them are that we're weak-willed losers. In the Sober Powered Podcast, you'll learn how and why addiction develops, how alcohol changes the brain to keep us drinking, and most importantly, that you're not alone. The things you experience are experienced by many of us. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about high-functioning drinkers. 
I'll explain the common characteristics of someone who is high-functioning, how denial fits into this, and how a high-functioning drinker can have a much more difficult time accepting that they need to stop drinking. You'll learn about functional tolerance, which is a type of tolerance that high-functioning drinkers develop that allows them to drink large quantities of alcohol and appear like they aren't even drunk. So let's dig in. There are two main stereotypes for people who struggle with alcohol, the rock-bottom homeless drinker and the high-functioning drinker. I think many of us identify with being high-functioning, but this type of drinking makes it easier to stay stuck in denial because there aren't many consequences. I definitely used my lack of consequences to justify not needing to stop drinking. I had a master's degree, a good marriage, a job as a biochemist, no DUIs, and no health problems. You don't have to have a life full of consequences to need to stop drinking. If I continued to drink, I'm sure the consequences would have started to appear. We use things like, at least I don't drink every day, to justify not having a problem until we start drinking every day. And similarly, we use things like, I never have to miss work because of my drinking. But as soon as we have to miss work because of a hangover, we find a different excuse. Your drinking can always be worse and you can always find another excuse. A high-functioning alcoholic is someone who drinks problematically while appearing to maintain professional and personal success. According to U.S. surveys, about 20% of alcoholics in the U.S. are high-functioning. People who are high-functioning deny having a problem and believe on some level that alcohol helps them, either with being social, having success, or coping with stress. We believe believe our drinking doesn't affect anyone in our lives like our kids or partners, but it does. Anyone who witnesses someone abuse alcohol is affected by it. According to the NIH, high-functioning alcoholics are typically middle-aged, well-educated people with stable jobs and families. The more stress that someone experiences at work, the greater their risk of developing a problem. And that's why people who are very successful will often abuse alcohol. I remember when I stopped drinking and started going to work parties sober, I saw some of my coworkers drink and really considered it for the first time. Problem drinkers usually stick out if you know what to look for. We joke about drinking too much. We talk about drinking all the time. We may chug drinks or drink just a little bit faster than everybody else. As we get a buzz on, we may start to seek out attention by being loud, and we're usually the first people to be drunk at a party. I saw this in some of my coworkers, and it really surprised me. It wasn't people at my level either. It was the very top of the ladder people who I looked up to and admired. So anybody can have a problem with alcohol. It doesn't mean that you're not intelligent or successful. Even the most successful people can struggle with it. So here are some signs that your drinking may be high functioning. 
You experience blackouts, you pregame, you drink alone or sneak alcohol before or after an event, you continue to drink even if you experience mental health problems, you deny your drinking may be a problem because you have no consequences, you reward yourself with alcohol, you drink to cope with stress, if you don't drink every day, you use this to rationalize the days that you binge drink. You experience cravings for alcohol, you feel guilty after drinking, and you only compare your drinking to people who drink more than you or who experience consequences that you don't. Someone who drinks problematically but still functions just fine with work can deny their problem for a really long time. The main reason that people get help is because the negative consequences finally outweigh the positives that we think drinking is bringing to our lives. When we're in extreme denial and not experiencing any consequences, there really isn't any reason to stop drinking. Sure, we're miserable and our mental health may be suffering, but nothing bad enough is happening to make us want to stop drinking. A high-functioning drinker can continue on like this for many years or even their entire life. We become pros at talking ourselves out of quitting and at rationalizing and explaining away minor negative consequences. So denial is considered a defense mechanism. We can be shocked out of denial when we're confronted with unavoidable facts like a health scare, but other times even sickness won't help the person acknowledge their drinking is a problem. The idea behind denial is that fully acknowledging our problem with alcohol would be so detrimental to us mentally that we have to misinterpret, minimize, or even forget the facts. It helps us avoid painful realities, and we become experts at using alcohol to escape our lives. This is a big reason, too, that in sobriety, I'm all about living in reality and just looking at things for what they are. I was never able to do that while I was drinking because my denial was just so strong. A 2015 study published in Drug and Alcohol Dependence looked at people that were addicted to meth and found that people who had high levels of denial also had less connection between their cingulate and insula with the frontal lobe, limbic system, and cerebellum. They also had lower performance on memory and executive functioning tests than meth addicts who were not in denial. So this study looked at the neuroplasticity of two areas of the brain well known to be involved in addiction, the insula and the cingulate. The insula is involved in conscious desires like searching for food and drugs, but it also connects emotions to sensory experiences. And the cingulate converts feelings into actions. It's involved in a lot of higher order thinking, such as controlling our emotions, concentrating on solving problems, recognizing our mistakes, and making adaptive responses to changing conditions. Interestingly, the ability for meth addicts to consider 
their substance use problematic and realize that they need to change was positively associated with connectivity between the cingulate and insula with the rest of the brain. So it always comes back to neuroplasticity. The better able someone's cingulate and insula are able to communicate with the rest of the brain, the more able they are to come out of denial and get help. So this means that being in a state of denial reduces the ability for the parts of your brain that govern emotional responses, self-awareness, and error perception to communicate with the parts of the brain that process information and create problem-solving actions. Having reduced neuroplasticity in these areas along with a lack of severe consequences makes it really hard for someone to accept that they need to stop drinking. This is why gray area drinkers will struggle so much and may go on to struggle with alcohol for the rest of their lives. They're miserable, but nothing bad enough has happened to them so they can stay strong in their denial. And remember, the more we abuse alcohol, the less neuroplasticity our brains have and the less able our brain is to adapt to what's going on in our lives and change. And this makes it even harder to realize that you need to stop drinking. So to summarize that, people who struggled with meth addiction had less neuroplasticity in areas of the brain than people who struggled with meth addiction and who were not in denial. So being in denial may change the way that your brain communicates with itself or the way that your brain is able to communicate with itself. Another issue with high-functioning drinkers is tolerance. We've spoken about tolerance on this podcast before a few times, so we gain tolerance from drinking large quantities of alcohol consistently, and this causes a few things to happen. The liver produces extra alcohol dehydrogenase, which is the enzyme that breaks down alcohol so that alcohol can be eliminated quicker. And the brain changes its chemistry, which results in us feeling less of the good effects from drinking and requires a higher concentration of alcohol in the brain to achieve them. So the body becomes able to eliminate alcohol quicker and the brain becomes more resistant to the effects of alcohol. So we need to drink a lot more alcohol and then even more alcohol because the body's able to get rid of it so much quicker than it used to and the brain is resisting the effects. So high-functioning drinkers develop something called functional tolerance, which is when someone can drink a ton of alcohol but not appear to be drunk. This type of thing can happen even with hangovers. So when you hear someone bragging about how they never get hangovers, or maybe you've even been that person, it's actually functional tolerance that they're bragging about. They've consumed so much alcohol that it takes a lot more alcohol to give them a hangover than it does for most people. Not really something that you should be proud of. And also something important to note is that tolerance isn't something that you're just born with. Like people aren't born with an extremely high tolerance. There is a genetic component to it and genetics influence like how quickly you process and eliminate alcohol. But if you have an exceptionally high tolerance, it's because you drank a lot of alcohol consistently. That's how you build up a tolerance. 
The dangers of functional tolerance are pretty obvious. You can become physically dependent on alcohol because you're able to drink so much of it. And you can damage your organs and develop conditions like cirrhosis. So just because you can handle so much more alcohol than most people doesn't mean that your body is immune to it. Functional tolerance is also how some people are able to drink at work and not get caught. They're able to drink large quantities of alcohol and seem totally normal. Have you ever met somebody like this or, or maybe you are this person? I have and it's really true. They seem like they didn't have anything to drink at all, but they've actually had just as much or more than everybody else. I don't think that I developed a functional tolerance because I was always the first one to get drunk and sloppy. It's hard to tell, though, because my husband told me a few months ago that he didn't think I ever blacked out. And I pretty much fell on the floor laughing hysterically because I blacked out at least weekly, like sometimes more. So I guess if blacked out Jill could fool her own husband, then I did have a bit of a functional tolerance going on. So it's really hard to tell. High-functioning drinkers are even able to drink to very high blood alcohol concentrations, which would cause other people to pass out or even die. And this is because we've built up such a high tolerance to alcohol over so many years of abusing it. So like I said earlier, you don't just appear on earth with a very high tolerance. You might be genetically predisposed to having a slightly higher tolerance than the average person, but you still have to get your body used to large amounts of alcohol to develop this type of tolerance. If you've been listening to this podcast for a bit, then you know that different areas of the brain respond to alcohol in different ways and are damaged by alcohol differently. The same is true for tolerance. Your brain doesn't develop tolerance as a whole. Different parts of the brain develop tolerance at different rates. One study looked at tolerance in men and saw that they developed tolerance quicker when they had to perform a task like taking a test, but developed tolerance slower for tasks requiring hand-eye coordination like driving a car. So developing tolerance in this way is really dangerous because someone can destroy it at trivia at the bar, not feel too drunk, and then drive home thinking they're fine, but their driving abilities are much more affected by alcohol than their ability to do bar trivia. And genetics play a role in tolerance because some people can just process alcohol better than other people. So there have been studies on rats that found that rats who were bred to prefer alcohol develop a tolerance to alcohol sedative effects and non-alcohol preferring rats do not. So if you get super tired every time you drink, then you probably won't want to drink as much or as often. So being a high-functioning drinker is very dangerous because you can stay in your denial for a really long time. You can handle just a ton of alcohol and maybe not have as many negative consequences like hangovers or exhaustion or just um, like feeling gross the next day as other people. Maybe you can get super drunk and then go to work just fine. But this type of drinking keeps you in denial and keeps you stuck. So what I would encourage you to do 
if you think my drinking isn't that bad and you continuously list off the consequences that you have never experienced that other people do, then remind yourself or let me remind you right now that people who can drink moderately and socially do not listen to the Sober Powered podcast. They just don't. The only people that are listening to this podcast either know me in real life and are just being really nosy and maybe inappropriate or they struggle with alcohol. So you're listening to this podcast for a reason and that is because deep down you worry about your drinking. So the best thing that you can do is just keep listening to my podcast, other podcasts in recovery, read books, just open up your mind to the possibility of never drinking again. I also really encourage you to work with a therapist, join Facebook groups. You can join the Sober Powered Facebook group and just post your experience. It is okay to still be drinking and post your experience in Facebook groups. That's why they're there to support you in getting sober, not just to support sober people. So I was a member of sober Facebook groups for over a year before I stopped drinking and posted about my drinking all the time and I was in such hardcore denial and everybody was really nice to me. Please share this episode if you enjoyed it. It really helps out the podcast and please consider leaving a review on iTunes and I will talk to you next week. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how twos for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.